Hey, if you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world, world of, of food. food. Valentine's edition. Ooh. Perfect if you believe the way to your loved one's heart is through their stomach. First, Hardee's announced the return of their heart-shaped biscuits starting February 1st. <laughs> Second, if you want to cook at home for your Valentine, Baria has heart-shaped pasta, and Tyson is selling their heart-shaped nuggets of love at Walmart. And finally, in the world of food, Valentine edition, if a cozy romantic night in where you don't have to cook sounds fun, you can get a heart-shaped pizza from Papa John's Pizza Hut, California Pizza Kitchen, Marco's, and even Aldi has frozen heart-shaped pizzas. And if your family's like mine and you adhere to the Lenten calendar, Ash Wednesday, <laughs> a day of fasting, <laughs> is Valentine's Day. Oh, no. You're going to have to celebrate early. That's hilarious. Yeah, like how can we make our fasting meal into a heart shape? Yeah, I don't know. I have to work on that. That means my niece's birthday is Fat Tuesday this year. But next year, it'll be probably the start of Lent. She was born on the 13th. (laughs) Hey, did you have a lot of big challenges in your life as newlyweds coming up? You're going to love this story. Hey, this is your guarantee to put you in a good mood story of the day. Did you have a lot of big challenges in your life when you first got married? You will so empathize with this story. Josh and Haley live in Toronto and ended up having to postpone their honeymoon right after they got married because Josh was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. Well, they were finally flying to Jamaica on their way uh, for their overdue, way overdue honeymoon when Haley talked a flight attendant into making a big announcement on the intercom. A young man on the flight today named Josh was diagnosed with stage four cancer in June of 2020. He's fought for his life and now is cancer free and on his way to his honeymoon in Jamaica. He's cancer free. What a celebration. There was not a dry eye on the flight. Okay, ladies, I want you to put in your, yourself in this emotional situation. You peek in the rearview mirror of your car and you see that stray hair. What's the first thing you do? <gasps> you get rid of it, right? Oh, there's a lady that did just the opposite. We're going to talk about that next. Wouldn't it be cool if we knew why all of a sudden a stray hair on our bodies grew? Like, I don't know where you're like, Whoa, where did that came from? Get rid of it. I, I mean, I have friends that carry tweezers in their car with them and oh, yeah? in their purse, just in case there's that stray hair. But not Macy Sutherland, who lives in Tracy, California. She saw a stray arm. In fact, it was her bestie, Kaylee's brother, who spotted this stray hair on her arm. And he pointed it out. When they were at Disneyland. Brave man. This was back in 2012. <laughs> And he wanted to pluck it out. She goes, no, don't touch it. (laughs) She just made the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's longest arm hair. It's 7.24 inches. (laughs) She just let it keep on growing. just solitary? Just one? Just one. All (laughs) the other hairs on her arm are completely normal. But this one... Grew to seven inches because she wouldn't let anyone touch it or pluck it or cut it. One time it accidentally got plucked and she just started over. <laughs> but yeah, 7.24 inch long hair. Can you imagine if like her at those, you know, those games replay like two truths and a lie? 
She could be like, yeah, and I have a seven inch long arm hair. And I'd be like, nah, no, you don't. <laughs> and then you wonder, what if she put that on a dating profile? Yeah, I was in the Guinness Book of World Records because I got a seven inch long <laughs> arm hair. <laughs> She's got I, I actually would love to meet her because, you know, she has a fantastic sense of humor. That she's willing to do that. That's hysterical. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Someone with a lot of time on their hands. And I, I don't know. Well, it takes no time. You and just when let she it grow. started out, was you she wash like, it, condition it? Don't touch it. This is how I get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Was that her reaction, or did she just be like, uh, you know what? Let me sit on this for I a minute. Think she I just want to think about it. Her friend's brother plucking her hair <laughs> at Disneyland. <laughs> So we're talking about this lady that for some reason decided to let one one hair on her arm grow to over seven inches long. She's in the Guinness Book of World Records. I'm a little disappointed, though, because I, I had a come think of it. I had a couple of aunts that I think had nose hairs longer than that. Ew. And anytime we would go visit them, we got a talking to like, don't mention that. And maybe have we told them they they, in fact, yeah, would be in the Guinness Book of World Records there, right, right now. Right along with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. She said like her her family and friends are such good sports about it. They think it's funny and hilarious. She used to be embarrassed by it. Now she's like, why not? It's part of who I am. Um, but I, I found her since you were so appalled by appalled. this lady's long I'm arm just hair. The things that make people famous. I bizarre. found I found a, a world record that you can get your teeth around, Kev, because you love French toast. You talk about yeah. it all the time. Oh, Tracy made some good French well, toast this uh, last weekend. A Jewish group oh. in New York City just created a 35 foot long challah loaf. <laughs> 35 feet funny? of the bread, the braided bread. It's beautiful. That's I don't know how had, they got uh, it in the oven. That's what we had our French toast with. My daughter, mm-hmm. Amber, she loves to bake and she's gotten into, she wants to bake the perfect challah and she brought us a loaf. It was really good, especially when made into French toast. Well, how long was it? 35 feet. Maybe they should get the seven inch long arm hair girl to come and eat a piece of the 35 foot long bread. And it would be another world record person with the longest arm hair, eating the longest loaf of bread there you go. in history. I like it. Put, put us put, they both double up and get in the Guinness book of world records twice. I think it would be pretty fun to hear what people predicted. 2024 would be like 100 years ago. So this is what people thought about us and what our lives would be like way back in 1924. So they thought our legs wouldn't work because we rode in cars so much we stopped using our legs. That everyone would have flying clothes. Mm. Do you have jetpacks? Mm. Well, I, I throw my socks into the uh, laundry bin from across the room every night. So. <laughs> in go. 1924, they p- predicted in 2024 that beds would launch kids up and onto their feet in the morning. Wouldn't that be a dream? <laughs> <laughs> that traveling to other planets would be easy and common. And radios would be thought of as silly and old school. Hmm. And here's my favorite prediction that came true. In, 20, in 1924, they predicted that men would stop wearing corsets. <laughs> yep, girdles and corsets were very common for men in 1924. Huh. Not anymore, but we do have compression shirts. I was going to say, uh, yeah, <laughs> compression wear. <laughs> I like the launching bed thing. Not for kids, though, for me. You know, if, and make it, make it an app on my phone that if I hit snooze more than twice, 
the bed launcher kicks in. <laughs> That's what I need. So we've all been there with clothes that you've worn maybe like, I don't know, for an hour or two. Like you throw something on to go to the grocery store and you come back home, you're right back in your jammies or your sweatpants or something. And and those clothes, they're technically no longer clean, but, but they're not really dirty right. either. So where do they go? You don't put them back in the closet or your wardrobe. Where do they go? There's a new term for where they go. We'll tell you what it is next. I think everybody does this. You have clothes that uh, they're not officially dirty, but they're not clean mm-hmm. either. So you don't oh, put yeah. them back away. I am the worst at this because I have I have levels of that in between stage. I've got stuff that I've worn, you know, like, I don't know, sweatpants and a T-shirt. When I, I get home, I usually I'll work out and then I'll change into sweatpants and a T-shirt and I'll wear that until we go to bed. And then I'll either go to bed in that or or maybe change into something a little cooler because I'm going to be under a thousand blankets. Um, but those clothes to me. I can get away with wearing those for like three or four days, mm-hmm. but I'm not putting them back in the clean clothes. Right. So for me, they go on the very end of the ironing board. And depending on temperature changes and stuff like outside or in our house. Where's we, the ironing board? And we keep that in our, our master bathroom. Okay. Okay. So they're on the end of the ironing board and I will wind up having, I don't know, like four pants, pairs of sweatpants and <laughs> three long sleeve t-shirts, a couple of short sleeve t-shirts all stacked up there on the end of the ironing board. You know where ours ends up? Side of the tub. Side so on the floor. And so then if Glenn says, I'm going to take a bath, I have to go try to figure out where to put all my in-between clothes. Well, putting them on the floor is you are the new definition of where you put those clothes that are in-between clean and dirty. You put them in the floor drobe. (laughs) The floor drobe. (laughs) On the floor. They're combining the word floor and wardrobe. It's the floor drobe. That's where you put... The in-between stage clothes. You're doing it. What is the tub called, though, on the side of the tub? Because usually that's where I lay my... Oh, it's not on the floor? No, it's, it's not on the floor. Oh, I thought you meant like no, on, on the floor the, next to the tub. It's hanging over the edge of the tub, especially... This is the thing that like a new home would create for everyone. Mm-hmm. Where do you hang your disgusting, wet, running and workout clothes... Because you're not going to wad them up in a ball or they're going to mildew. Right. Oh, no, no, I got that. You got to let that. it dry out on the edge of the tub before you no, can put it in the no, hamper. No, you need to get you a hamper like we have. We have a big wire hamper and you just drape it over the edge. And then, uh, yeah, but then your spouse will come in and go, ew. <laughs> stinks in here. Yeah. You leave it there until, until it dries out. Or you do like I do a lot of times. If I work out at home, I just take it right into the laundry room and. I leave it on the floor because I'm not going to mix it in with the other. See, it'll get funkified. You're going to have all this bacteria growing in your clothes that doesn't need to be oh, growing there. It's been working for me for years, so well, I'm sticking I think with I'm, it. I'm but just you need to come up with than other You people. need to come up with a term for a ba- <laughs> combine the bathtub and the wardrobe. Bathrobe. <laughs> no, that's taken. That's, that's taken. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll have to send that to the boys in marketing, see what they come up with. <laughs> So I think everybody feels this way from time to time. You wish there was a camera in your house because what's happening is so funny. My wife had me laughing so hard last night we went to bed. My my, my stomach was hurting. I was like, stop, stop. That's I'll awesome. tell you what happened next. Probably a lot like you. Sometimes I wish there was a camera in our house because what happens in our house is just so funny. So funny. And last night I was laughing so hard. My sides hurt so bad. I was laughing so hard. Here's what happened. Typical scene. We're watching TV, watching like some comedy show. And I look over and Tracy's sound asleep. Mm -hmm. So what I do when that happens now, I'll hit pause and wait for her to open her eyes. Sometimes if she's just falling asleep, she'll open them right away because all of a sudden the noise stops and she recognizes it. But sometimes it'll go on for like 90 seconds and then she'll open her eyes and pretend like, 
Oh, I just drifted off for a second. Yeah, yeah, we all do it. <laughs> and for some reason, none of us want to admit. <laughs> oh, I have to because I'll go. I'm going to need you to back that up a minute. <laughs> okay. I missed so that part. That's the scenario. So I said, all right, let's, let's, you know, like hit pause on this show and let the dogs out and then we'll go to bed. And she's like, okay, fine, fine. And you know, real kind of sleepy, groggy, maybe a bit grumpy. So I let the dogs out and I'm, I'm waiting for them to come back in. And she's like, I can't, I can't find, of course I can't find my phone. Where's my phone? And she's looking everywhere, everywhere. And I said, is it in the seat cushion where you were sitting? It's not there. And I said, you want me to call it? No, it's dead. Don't call. And and so I did any, I could tell she was irritated. So I thought I'm just going to call anyway. Maybe it's got 1% left and and it'll ring. So she's digging in the seat cushions, right? She's bent over digging in the seat cushions. I hit dial and my ringtone starts playing in her phone. And it's silly love songs. It's the Paul McCartney song, silly love. I love you starts playing from her butt. It was in her pocket. Oh my gosh, I started laughing so hard. I was like, okay, layers, there's layers here. Number one, no, my phone's dead. Don't bother calling. Obviously it wasn't. And second, that that takes like, um, you know, you, you got your glasses up on top of your head and you, you look for your yeah. glasses. It's that, but next level. Yeah. <laughs> was she able to laugh or was it not funny yet? Oh no, it was very funny. Okay. It was, it good, was very good. funny. But searching for the cell phone. That is in your pocket. Oh yeah, we've all done it. <laughs> oh, I'm, my sides hurt so bad last night, laughing so hard. Hey, Jackie, it's Kevin and Taylor. What's going on? I was laughing at your joke with your wife, but I said <laughs> I was talking to my good friend one time, and I kept on saying, "Where is it? Where is it?" And I'm looking for the cell phone that's in my hand. I've totally done that. I was looking all over my car trunk, like, where is it? I can't find my phone. And she's like, what you looking for? I got my phone. She's like, Jackie, you're talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you really think you're losing it. So have you ever been away from your phone, which is rare, I know, but maybe you were in a meeting or you set it aside to to live your life and you come back and you're like, 23 texts, something bad must have happened. And instead for me, like it's my four sisters and my mom sharing like silly memes or or right. And they all respond. Ha, you're so funny. I'll just stop, mom. Exclamation point. (laughs) Heart. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, there needs to be a wow button. But I use exclamation point. So picture this. There's this uh, dad who's outnumbered. He's married and has a daughter in his early 20s and a 19-year-old daughter. And the four of them are on a group chat. Okay. Well, the daughters and the mom are super outgoing all day long. Like, look at this funny thing or this happened to me. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just going, 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 going. Well, dad is a doctor. And he loves his family so much, but he finally had enough. And he texted, I can't keep up with the pressure of always having to LOL or like or heart everyone's (laughs) random thoughts, pics, and amusements. For all future texts, I love them, I laugh at them, or I like them. Unless it's bad, then I dislike them. In perpetuity, perpetuity, perpetuity. I can't live with this pressure. I'm out. And so, of course, the daughter shares it on social media and everyone. It's got like 400,000 likes. And she said, her name's Allison. She said, my dad is literally the perfect human being. 
But I just think it was stressing him out that he can't respond to all <laughs> to these everything. messages. He's got to do his job. Right. And so he just finally, I'm out. I love you forever and ever. But that's it. <laughs> okay, so you know what it's like being a parent. There are those times in the, the seasons of life of parenting when you can get so discouraged. You're just oh, like, ah. Yeah. So I've got uh, some encouragement for you if you need it today. Coming up next. You know what it's like being a parent. There are so many seasons where you can easily get super discouraged because it's the hardest job in the world. And even though God didn't make me a parent, I feel like I so honored that he lets me be a parenting cheerleader, both on my own, like with friends and family and on the radio every day. And so I just wanted to uh, tell you something I observed in the lives of the moms and dads who kind of in my little circle and I thought it might encourage you to um, got several moms, especially that are going through deep heartache with their kids, whether it's decisions their kids have made or um, rejection of their mother. Um, I, two of my friends and family members have teenage daughters and they are mean. Oh. Man, they're mean girls. Yeah, there's that. And they should do a National Geographic special of, yeah. the, of the angriest, meanest creatures on yeah. earth. Teenage, middle school and high school girl would come in there. And it doesn't matter how many articles you read about, <laughs> oh, that's really actually a good thing because your daughter's mean to you because you're a safe space. It still cuts to your heart. It hurts so bad when your kids disrespect you and, and treat you that way. And I told um, two of my sisters and one um, mom in my life, I said, you know, I just want you to know that the way you unconditionally love your kids, yes, boundaries, yes, rules, yes, uh, tough love, but the way you deep down unconditionally keep forgiving your kids 70 times seven and love them the way Jesus loves us is nothing short of miraculous and it inspires me every day. Hmm. And if you're a parent right now going through that yourself and you needed to hear that, I hope that really touches your heart today uh, because it is such a hard job, especially when things don't look like the Hallmark movie. You don't ever think your kid is going to ghost you or reject you or not text you back for days. You just don't envision that when they're little and they're so cute and fun and Mommy hung the moon and daddy's their hero. You just never expect that's going to be part of your life. And it hurts so deeply. So just know that that God sees what you're doing, that you're reflecting the love of Christ to your kids. Taylor, Stanley Mug Mania has hit a new level of crazy. Tell you Uh-oh. what's what's going on with the Stanley Mugs next. Okay, so these Stanley Mugs, I don't understand how everyone decided all at once, I got to have a Stanley Mug. I thought the Yeti had uh, already cornered the market on mug that will keep your stuff ridiculously hot or ridiculously cold for a ridiculous amount of time. But apparently Stanley is a thing now. Well, they came out with these special edition mugs at Target and people have been fired because they either the the mugs never made it out on the floor. The employees like took them off to the side and bought them before they were ever available to the customers. Or there's like a limit on the number of items you can buy. And they bought way more than that. They lost their jobs over Stanley mugs. This is crazy. I don't. I really don't get it. I. I it's too big for me to carry around that thing. Oh, when I <laughs> see people carrying heavy. them, I'm like, they're going to be picture. People in 20 years are going to look back at pictures of people carrying around these three foot tall mugs. Yeah, they're not three feet. I'm exaggerating, but they look like that. These right. ridiculously tall mugs. And they're going to go. What were you thinking? So, so many times we all go, man, why didn't I invent that? Right? Why didn't I think of yeah. that? 
And this is one that's going to go down in history for me because you were just talking about Stanley Cups. There is a woman in Tennessee who's made a career out of bedazzling Stanley Cups and she often sells them for upwards of one thousand dollars. No, she does not. Her name is Ashley Costco, K O S K O. She's thirty-seven years old. She owns at least eighty Stanley Cups, and she bedazzles them and sells them online for anywhere from four hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. What? Why? Why did I not think of that? I can sit there patiently with the tweezers and a glue gun and the bedazzle bedazzle Stanley Cups. I can do that. But no, Ashley thought of it first. Okay, so how would you feel, guys, if your other half secretly tested your cleaning abilities? Oh, she's already done that in in our house. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tracy's done that to me and the kids. Okay. Well, wives are doing this all over TikTok. It's called the ketchup challenge. So they score a little bit of ketchup directly on the kitchen counter and then, hey, babe, can you clean that up for me? And then they film their husband and his methodology and how he cleans it up. (laughs) And the ones that go viral are the husbands that have a super creative way to clean it up, like a guy who just wiped it into the sink with his hand and then came back with a Clorox wipe. And he's just looking at her like, why did you do that? What is happening right now? Even Heinz got in on the fun. After all, it's the ketchup brand that's been most commonly dumped on the countertops. Uh, in their take on the trend, the man heads to the grocery store, comes home, makes French fries, and enjoys them using the ketchup that's on the counter. <laughs> now, here's the deal, though. Psychologists are not a fan of the ketchup challenge. They say it's a great way to build up resentment in your relationship because mm. you're like, testing your husband's cleaning skills. It, it, I will say, it is pretty funny to see how some of them do. They, like, <laughs> they end up having ketchup smeared all over the counter. You're like, dude, you got to get up the source of the soil first before you come back and clean the residual stuff. Trace, Tracy's done it with us in our family with like laundry basket. She'll leave it at the bottom. All bedrooms are upstairs. She'll leave it at the bottom of the steps and just leave it there. And wait see for, if anyone grabs yeah, wait, it. Like who, who, how long will it sit there? Before someone <laughs> takes it upstairs, someone not her. Speaking takes of it upstairs. that, could build up a lot of resentment <laughs> on your wife's part. Nobody'd carry it up. Coming up in just a minute, what's the coolest, most creative thing you've ever done to surprise your kids? What is the most special, creative thing you've ever done to surprise your kids? Danae really wanted to surprise her son, Caleb, for his birthday. So as a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines, she decided to take him on a fabulous trip. To California, only that really wasn't the final destination. She called Caleb up to the front of the plane. He's like, Mom, what are you doing? What's going on? And she got on the intercom and had the entire plane tell her son where they were really headed for his birthday. I can get you all on a count of three to tell Caleb what state he's actually going to today. going to Hawaii, not California. And it's such a a phenomenal birthday surprise. Everyone was in on the secret and they had to work to keep Caleb distracted from any signs that would give away where he's going. Caleb said he felt so loved and special and he wants to be uh, as outgoing and generous as his mom when he grows up. Wow. What a great story. I love that. I want to go to Hawaii. You've been to Hawaii, right? 
One time, yeah. yeah it was Tracy awesome. and I have never been to Hawaii. I at first I was like when Glenn said we wanted to go, I was like, ah and then now that I've been, I was like, what was my <laughs> I mean to see mountains and the ocean in the same spot. Yeah. It was gorgeous. We went to Kauai and Maui. Sounds beautiful. So when you hear about especially politicians will talk about the middle class. They're always talking about the middle class. And you feel like, yeah, that's me. I'm middle class. But are you really? They've put a number on it. Exactly what is middle class? What is upper class? The whole spiel does tell you it. In just a minute, we'll find out if you are, in fact, middle class. When you hear politicians or anybody talking about the middle class, do you feel like that? Yeah, that's us. Yeah, we're a middle class family. We're doing our deal. We're getting along. We're doing okay. Oh, yeah. you, feel, you feel like that? Yeah, we're paycheck to paycheck sometimes, but we're, we're doing all right. Uh, well, they've put numbers on what lower income households are upper income houses and then uh middle income where that falls okay so uh think of your think of your combined paychecks you and your you and your better half they're saying lower income households are combined $48,500 the way mine and Tracy's life would go we'd be making 48,501 <laughs> so we'd like fall into a higher tax bracket because of like $1 yeah. no <laughs> okay Upper income, they'd say the, you you are in the your your higher class when it comes to money. Combined income of one hundred and forty five thousand five hundred dollars. So that's upper class. Lower class forty eight thousand or less. I guess upper class would be one hundred and forty five or greater. And middle, they're saying, is a range between the two. So I guess middle would be like eighty ish. You would think that would 90-ish. be the Goldilocks of income, but it's not. It's never enough. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I Tell think me what you mean. people have a hard time living within their means. We all do. Really? So the the answer to that is not tighten the belt. Most people, they, they think the answer is get more get mo money. Usually, yeah, that's the preferred <laughs> method. <laughs> well, as the great philosopher once said, mo money, mo problems. <laughs> So there you go. I don't know where you fall in there, if you're upper or lower or smack dab in the middle. But when they start throwing that phrase around and with the election season in full swing, you know they're going to. You'll know exactly if you are who they're talking about. So we're talking about what what do they define as lower income homes, upper income homes and middle income homes. Um, 145, if you're that or greater, you're upper. 48 or lower, that's considered lower. And middle is... Somewhere in the middle. It's a of, wide of range. All that. I have a theory in life, though. No matter how much money you're making, people who you consider rich are always making more than you make. So, in other words, even if you're a family who's you know blessed enough to be making $145,000, you know, you wake up and thank the Lord every day, by the way. Um, even if you're in that and you're considered upper income, mm-hmm. you would not consider yourself rich. You would think people making more than you are rich. They're rich. Yeah. I'm not rich. Right. I no think one thinks of themselves that way. Anyone who's been to a third world country knows how rich we all are. Here oh, in the United absolutely. States. It's overwhelming. Compared to how most of the world lives, the mm-hmm. majority of, of human beings of the seven billion on this planet, if you if you are fortunate enough to be in the United States you already won some type of good Lord lottery that he decided, okay, you get to live in 2024 in the United States of America. You're all, you already, you're 15 rungs up on the ladder yeah. compared to the rest of the world. So amen to that. 